Welcome back to Focus. I'm Ron Sisko. And today, today I'd like to talk about censorship. You know, it's a very interesting concept for me. Censorship. The, the most difficult part of interacting with other people is deciding what is appropriate to say to someone else and what you need to fancy up or pretty up or make less abrasive. Sometimes we consider that tact or, or we'll call it being considerate or polite. One of the things that kind of struck me very recently was when I started watching the things we saw in the news. Just the other day, I read an article about someone's usage of the N-word and other people's using the F-word, the six-letter one, on social media. And it's interesting because when we report the news on these things, we try not to use those words in the capacity that they might be offensive to someone. The problem is, it's already offensive to someone. Now, before you wonder whether or not I've been swearing, I, I try not to. In the one instance where I used the F word with six letters, um, I, I made sure to, um, because it was from a journalistic point of view, utilize the word as it was presented, because I think that was important. I think the way it was expressed by another person, that context is important. And so it's important to, rather than soften the blow, give you a full accounting of what was said. Because in the moment, the context of what was said and how it was said and how it was presented was just as important as the conversation that I was having. Now, I try not to swear on the podcast. I try not to, not just from aesthetic or to prevent being offensive, but because I want to present a very specific type of message here. For the most part, I like the discussions to be positive or about in being in the realm of positivity or looking at negativity and understanding where you can turn something from that into something more positive or at least constructive. However, in the case of the usage of that F word, I made sure to present it because I wanted it to be abrasive. One of the things that bothers me about the news censoring that is that we're no longer being presented with the message in the way we should be offended. We don't want our children saying those words. That's at least the excuse that we're given whenever we're not given the whole story. Whenever someone has decided to take it upon ourselves to change the message that's presented to you. It got me thinking that maybe when we're preventing the people from hearing the words that were actually spoken, what instead of instead of generating outrage or instead of giving you the opportunity to feel what people might be feeling, that maybe by censoring it, we're dulling the real impact of those words. And not just the words, but the impact of what you should be feeling. Uh, from from the media, there's a, there's a a young man who survived one of the shootings fairly recently. He was he was um, I don't believe he was actually shot, um, and that's not to say that the impact of that you know being involved in that shooting is any less. But but I just just to get the facts right, I don't believe he was actually shot. But he was he was a member of that school. He he went to that school that encountered a shooting, and um, fairly recently he applied for Harvard, which has a very stringent. Uh, entry requirement list, um, including social ones, now that all of the social media is available. 
And, uh, and I guess he was originally admitted and then Harvard upon discovering that this young man, um, who has kind of become a political pundit because he's pro gun, despite having been involved, uh, in, in a school shooting, uh, as a victim again, um, he, he, he applied for Harvard and, you know, for, from a politics standpoint, that makes plenty of sense. However, Harvard has reneged on that. They said, uh, we're, we're not really interested in having you around because of the things you've said in the past. And it, it adds to a very interesting conversation about how responsible we need to be held for the things that happen to us when we're children. And in, in his defense, and I don't really mean to defend him because uh, like I, a whole other conversations need to be had there. He did apologize, um, about, about what he had said. And, and I'm not going to say that the apology was, was good enough because in my opinion, it wasn't at least not the public one. Um, but he talked about, you know, being younger and, and saying things for shock value, which I don't think is a good enough excuse either. I just, I just need to, you know, say that he did in fact apologize. He didn't defend those remarks. He said, uh, these are the things that I said because I was looking at getting attention on the internet. Um, and he dropped the N word, and I want I want to I want to preface that because we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of an experiment here, and I want to make you uncomfortable because it makes me uncomfortable to be be talking about this particular subject. So this this young man um, said the N word in his Twitter account, and because of his use of the N word, um, reading about this on the internet, the articles read about it on the internet, we just we just continue to use the N word. Because again, we don't want to be established as, as associated with the things that he's associated himself with. We don't want to be accused of doing the same things that he's done. But at the same time, are we not taking power away from what he said? Now, in case you're not familiar with the situation, this, uh, this young man's name is Kyle Kashuv. I think it's Kashuv. I, I could be pronouncing that incorrectly. And if I am, I apologize. Uh, most of the things that he said were blatantly racist. And some of them were, um, were worse than that. They were, they were offensive on pretty much every level. So the reason I want to be fair towards this young man is because I don't want to present his information uh, with a particular slant for or against him. That's not the part of uh, what, what I want to uh, do here. It's not up to me to debate this. I think everyone should have their own opinion about this. And I'll tell you what mine is in a little bit. Uh, but very specifically, um, they, they presented, a, uh, the Huffington Post were presented with a bunch of information for that the Parkland students, which were the students that were also involved with the shooting, had put together uh, regarding the things that he'd said years ago. And one of the things that he'd said specifically, and the, the one that everyone quotes, it's, um, it says, uh, uh, like, I'm really good at typing nigger. Okay, like practice uh, makes perfect. And I read this in CNN, and CNN, rather than quote this or, or have any quote um, at all, presented uh, just, just that he'd type the N-word several times or would uh, remove the, the actual N-word from, from the, the typing of what, what had happened and then kind of made it more interesting to look up what he'd said. Um, it's kind of weird to be discussing an 18-year-old child. But it's precisely because we're having this conversation that I find it's more interesting to be open about this lack of, of, of um, prescience. I'm going to use the word prescience. We're not presenting the information the way it should be presented 
because we're not thinking about the actual context of the words. We're thinking about how can we do this without offending our advertiser's sensibility. And I think from a journalistic standpoint, that doesn't make any sense. However, it should be noted that Forbes did, in fact, post an editorial uh, where, where the, uh, the N-word was presented at least once uh, in full type, just so that you could see it, so you could be offended, so you could be shocked, so you could read it and contextualize it for yourself. There are a lot of people out there who look at the words, the N-word, and they immediately get upset about the lack of candor in the news or, um, or be upset about PC culture or, you know, th there's, there's all kinds of reasons for that to be. But to me, this also speaks to a level of conversations we're not having socially. Now, personally, I find the N-word pretty horrific. Uh, it's got a lot of history. I'm not black. So I don't have a history with it, but it makes me uncomfortable to use it because I know how uncomfortable it makes some of the people I've met in my life. But at the same time, when we continue to use euphemisms like the N-word or the F-word with six letters to talk about a subject, instead of being able to contextualize this specific conversation, instead of determining whether or not this conversation is worth having, we're caught up in, in presenting that in a favorable way, in, in a more palatable way. But it's not a palatable conversation. We have so many people out there who think it's okay to use the N-word. There are so many people out there who think it's okay to openly type the word faggot in reference to people who are gay. And it's not okay. But by, by offering some sort of censorship, some, some sort of bypass, what we've really done is soften the blow of what people are saying to us on a grander scale. I feel like I've talked that in circles over and over again, but I want to make that point so heavily clear because it makes it easier for news articles to continuously be posted about Kyle Kashuv or uh, that other idiot on Twitter. Um, just, just to continuously use that language to extend the conversation without saying anything particularly useful. It continues on into our real lives as well. And it's one of those things that I think people have a hard time understanding, but whenever you uh, suppress conversation, what you're not doing is, is destroying it. In the same way that people are afraid to use the N-word in public, they're still using it in secret. And because we don't contextualize our offense to using the N-word, instead of, instead of understanding the impact of those words, instead of understanding the, 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 the hurt when it's said out loud, instead of watching the reactions from pain, just to make it easier, what we've done instead was empower people to say it in secret. And because we're not having to be careful about how we're having those conversations, we can have them in the open where they become white noise instead of, again, a meaningful, serious conversation. Now, from where I stand, Kyle, Kyle doesn't belong in Harvard, but it's not because I say Kyle doesn't belong in Harvard. It's because Harvard says that Kyle doesn't belong there. The things that he said when he was 16 years old are things that he's still culpable for. They're things that he takes ownership for. And regardless of whether or not you understand the responsibility of something like that, when you commit a crime, 
when you commit a crime and become a felon at 16 years old, you're still held responsible for that for the rest of your life. When you're charged as an adult, you are responsible for that for the rest of your life. And you're not the one who determines whether or not you're charged as an adult. Our society does that for you. And in the case of Harvard, Harvard is a private institution who makes the decisions on whether or not their entry point is, is selective enough to remove people who, like Kyle, have used that kind of language for whatever purpose, because someone along the line found that offensive. More than a few people along the line found that offensive. The thing is, a lot of people are going to accuse the Parkland students who submitted that document of political assassination. But at the end of the day, Kyle had used that language to be offensive. Kyle wanted attention, negative attention, for the words that he was using. He said a few more offensive things to me, in my mind, more offensive things, just from a conceptual standpoint, because he wanted to be offensive. He wanted to reap the benefits of the negative attention and now he doesn't want to pay the penalty for that negative attention. He says, I've grown beyond that. He doesn't want to be that person anymore. To me, it's, it's fine to not want to be that person anymore. It's, it's admirable to, to look at what you've done in the past and say, I own that. That is a thing that I did and I am sorry. And, and I, I, don't, I don't want to be that person anymore. However, you do have to pay for the mistakes that you made in the same way that if you had committed a felony at 16 years old, you would have to pay. And that's why I think those conversations are important because we can look at that impassioned. Most of the people looking at that will go back and say, well, I think when you say something when you're 16, when you're a stupid 16 year old kid, that, uh, that maybe you should, uh, you know, you, you should just look at that and say, well, it's just a 16 year old kid. Why, why are we going to ruin his life? It's not ruining his life if he doesn't go to Harvard. Millions of Americans in the United States don't go to Harvard every year. But he feels out, out of privilege that he deserves to be in Harvard, that he deserves to have his mistakes forgiven out of privilege. And you'll notice that the intensity of this conversation has ramped up a little bit because I feel impassioned by it. I feel like my investment in that conversation is different because I know what it feels like to have racial slurs thrown at me casually or offensively in a way that that is hurtful. And to be honest with you, it, it's always going to be hurtful when you're dismissed as a person just based on your, your upbringing, based on who your parents were, based on what color your skin is. The thing is, I don't want people to not say those things to me. I would rather you say it out loud to me because I want you to know how much it hurts me. I want you to understand what it's like to, to dismiss someone out of race, out of, out of some uncontrollable factor to say, this person is less than me and see the hurt in my face. And, and if you can laugh in my face about that, I know that I don't have time for you. That's why I want you to say it to me. But if you can look in my face and say, oh my God, I hurt you and I'm very sorry. It's something that I didn't think about. I, I, want, you know, I want to learn from this moment. Then we can have that conversation. How important is it to have that conversation? To be honest with each other about how we're feeling. And there are plenty of people who out there feel like 
they can't say those words to me in public because they know that they'll get in trouble. Not because they're worried about offending me, but because they know that they'll get in trouble publicly for it. They still think about those things privately. They still say those things to each other privately. They say them on internet chat rooms. They say them on Reddit. They say them on YouTube comments. They say them everywhere. I get it occasionally in a, a, a Twitch comment. It happens. I'm not upset by it because I know exactly whether or not I can spend time talking to you. Those are the kinds of things that I won't react negatively to, but I'll, I'll, I want to have a conversation with you about it. Because I know that a person who thinks about those things, who harbors those feelings, who really believes in the things that they're saying, they're lost causes to me. And I think those conversations are... are are uncomfortable and but they're they're eye-opening how many of us have that racist uncle or father or mother or grandmother who says something and you go god grandma you can't say that what you're not saying is grandma grandpa whoever you're not saying grandma you can't say those things I know that, that your, your generation grew up with that, but seg segregation is over. Everyone is equal and we're all people. You're not saying, God, Grandma, you, you're, you're just the worst human being alive. You say, in order to placate them. God, Grandma, you can't, you can't say that in public. Focus is a Patreon-supported podcast, and that sounds awful, awful after, after what I just said about ad-supporting things, but, but it's, it's important because uh, what we're talking about here, what, what I'm trying to talk about here, isn't necessarily a positive thing, but I think an important conversation. And it's thanks to people like Anastasia Beaverhouse and The White Prince and Vigilante. I, I can continue to have those conversations and then have a home for them and not delete them time after time because I've run out of storage somewhere. So thank you so much for your support and thank you for listening. I know that this one was kind of hard to listen to because this is language that I'm not comfortable using because, because most of us don't think this way. Most of us don't use these words because most of us know what that hurt is. But, but empathy comes with a lot of lessons. With that in mind, I really hope to hear back from, from anybody. If you have any opinions about this conversation, maybe you think I'm completely wrong and we need to censor everything all the time. Um, but if, if you do, I would love to hear from you. We can, we can certainly talk about it. You could, you could if you'd like, record a response or, um, or just send me an email, ron at focusbycisco.com, S-I-S-K-O. Uh, you could tweet at me at focusbycisco. I swear to God, I'm going to use one of those tweet, Twitter things one of these days, tweeter things. <laughs> sound like such an old man. And uh, Or if you'd like, you could leave a comment on the website, focusbycisco.com, S-I-S-K-O.com. Um, that's probably the best way to, to have a conversation with the community. And, um, and I know that, that that's not a good one. That's not an easy one to have, which is part of the reason that I'm actually pretty thankful that we're not posting any of this stuff on YouTube. But again, like, like the difficult conversations I'm talking about wanting to have here, um, it's not something I think we should ever shy away from, especially in a difference of, of opinion. 
If you decide to share this with someone, I hope it's because it meant something to you and not because you think that they needed to hear it. With that in mind, I want to thank you again for listening. Your time is so valuable. It's, it's one of those things that I wanted to hit home last time, and maybe I didn't do so so eloquently because I kind of I felt so impassioned when I, when I recorded this, but, but really you need to understand, you need to understand that your time, your time, is infinitely valuable. You, you can decide what you could do with it. You can decide how you consume media or if you do nothing at all. You have a full agency about how that time is spent and the fact that you would sit here and, and, and listen to me and, and, uh, and maybe engage in the conversation, I, that, that, that is absolutely invaluable in every way. I cannot thank you enough. So I'll see you when the plot requires it. we got some big things coming up, I promise. Until next time. Be excellent to each other.